Some shows lean left, some lean right, but we lean local and business. This is North Georgia Business Radio X with Phil Benelli. For the next hour, we will celebrate the businesses in our area and the people that run them. Find us on Facebook at North Georgia Business Radio X and online at NorthGeorgiaBusinessRadioX.com. Now, here's Phil Benelli. There's opportunity in every corner, just like a little mouse. Welcome to the show this week. We're going to talk about opportunity and finding it in unique places. And interestingly, we're going to talk about mice, rats, snakes, other fun things. I'm here with Mr. Heath Biggers of Mice Direct and Creation Cultivated. Heath, welcome to the show. Glad to be here. Uh, Heath is my buddy. We uh, are homeschool dads together. Yeah. We Our kids go to the same homeschool co-op, both White County Warrior yep. grads. That's right. right. Yep. He lives in the shadow of Mount Yona. Yep. I live somewhat in the shadow of Yona, proverbially, because I uh, I proposed to my wife on top of Mount Yona. Oh, wow. And I get to enjoy that wonderful decision every day. Thank yep. God. So, but uh, he's my buddy. He's a super entrepreneurial guy. And his business is very unique. And I think just speaks to how... You follow your passion and interests and see where there's an opportunity to maybe monetize something in that space, and who knows where it'll go. But uh, he tell us about, let's start with Mice Direct. Okay. So I've always been into raising all kind of unusual animals. I grew up on a farm. My grandmother had cattle farm. Um, they used to have chicken houses. And I've always been in more exotic things, you know, interesting things to work with, that sort of thing. So in college, I, I got some snakes. You know, I got some pet snakes I was working with. And I was buying mice for them. And so kind of started out of necessity. Uh, I, I was purchasing those mice, and I thought I can raise these, you know, because I like to raise things anyway. So so I started producing some, and then we saw a need for it. Um, other people needing it as well. Of course, mice are uh, fed to snakes, also birds of prey, ah. um, different things like that, you know, so state parks, zoos need them. Um, and we, uh, some some animals eat them frozen, some eat them live, you know, we sell either way. But so we started just out of necessity for myself. So and, live too? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, there's that's harder to deliver, but the pet stores sell, most of our pet stores sells live mice. So okay. We, we provide some of those. So there's this, there's the market, you had snakes. Right. Which needed mice to eat. Right. How often does an average snake eat a mouse? Snakes eat uh, once a week, pretty once much. Once a week? Yep. And do do most snakes eat frozen or live? It depends on what you want to do. You kind of kind of train them to the uh, frozen a little bit, but that's more convenient. You don't right. have to go buy a live mouse every week. You can just buy a <laughs> pack of 50, put them beside the hot dogs in the freezer. <laughs> if your wife will let you. <laughs> I love it. Are there discount? Can you get a volume pack Absolutely. of frozen mice? Absolutely. <laughs> if I wanted to get mice from you, we'll get back. I'm hijacking the story, but do people buy directly from? I guess it's Mouse Direct. Yeah. And and pet stores too. How is there multiple? Yeah, well, we sell to a lot of local pet stores uh, throughout Georgia, different places. You know, um, we we don't really sell a retail pickup kind of situation, but we do um, larger wholesale a little bit. We do retails online for frozen, okay. and it's free shipping, you know, that sort of thing. Wow. So, yeah. Free shipping on the mic. I guess That's they don't right. take up a lot of space. No, no, they really don't. And it's frozen, frozen form, they don't, yeah. You had the snakes, you were purchasing mice, and you said, why don't I just raise my own mice? Yeah. Um, 
Did you do much resale? I guess you just get some mice and yeah, it's get like some anything. Boxes. You just you just jump in. It, just you jump know? in, amen, brother. <laughs> Start trying it out. I enjoy. It. Yeah, I kind of enjoy that. I initially enjoy that more than raising snakes. It's faster. You right. know, it's kind of interesting. So, um, but of course, you know, snakes are snakes are very keepable in a house. You know, in, a, in they keep them in a in drawer settings kind of thing. Very collectible rodents. You know, they're they're smelly. They you know had mm. a facility for that. that and hard to keep them in. Yeah, can be. Oh, yeah. They spend most of their day chewing out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How, all right. You started with a couple mice for you. How many mice are you shipping out every week now? We've been up and down through the years, but um, sometimes we can get we go up and down 50,000 50, plus. A week? Yeah. That's amazing. Yep, and yep. what's the life like at what age? Uh, all ages. So like a baby snake's going to eat literally a one day old mouse. Potentially. Oh my gosh. So we sell 15 different sizes of rodents between a, between a one day old mouse up to a huge rat, which is wow. about the size of a squirrel, you know? Wow. <laughs> yep. Oh, I can only imagine being the FedEx guy who comes yeah, we to move your a place. Lot. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> and this has been how long of a journey? Started in college, um, twenty years this year, I think. Twenty years this year. Yeah, I had a one of my friends um, from childhood. We started that with him, and then actually another friend, a little older, John Callahan. I got involved with him in it. He kind of helped us really move it into a business aspect, you know, okay. and and um, just getting it going, growing. We kind of out of the block. We just kind of grew really big, really fast, you know. Right. We just kind of went for it, you know. But that's about twenty years this year, and. Um, you know, alongside that, working with different kinds of snakes. And I just like to raise everything. So we talk about creation cultivated, right. something else I work on. That's kind of where I do all the other stuff I want to play with and try to, we raise a terrarium plants, um, which is really neat. And we're still a lot of that through Monster Direct as well now. But I've got my nephew working for me there, which right. he really enjoys it. He just loves the whole, it's challenging working with a lot of different plants. And we work with different bugs, plants. Um, so picture the terrarium. The small little enclosed world. There's okay. something really cool that people just enjoy about making a little world. You know, it's like a desktop piece of the rainforest. You know, we have 135 different kinds of plants that do well in a enclosed, wet environment wow. like that. I work with some dart frogs as well. That's a beautiful little. It's almost like an aquarium. Think of like a dry aquarium. You yeah. know, because it's tons of different plants. Think of the frogs like the fish. So it's very similar to an aquarium in that it's kind of closed up. Um, so in that world, you sell, um, if you ever seen roly poly bugs, right. most everybody's caught those as a kid. We have 50 different kinds from different tropical areas. There's hundreds of them entering the hobby now. So all this stuff is very collectible. Um, small collectible is kind of how we're focused, but, um, but they're beautiful. They're, you know, mm -hmm. everybody's lo the local roly poly everybody's seen, but there's tons of different colors and patterns and shapes. Wow. I know it's, it's not, that's hard to wrap your mind around initially. Like, why would you want that? You know, people love collecting things sure. for one thing. And Especially these are unique things. Yeah. These are beautiful. They're easy to keep. Um, yeah, they fits in with the terrarium model. They kind of help. They've got the cleanup crew. They clean up mold and things like oh, that wow. in that environment. But, um, and we can push this stuff on like Instagram, you know, you put your pictures on there. It's very, all this stuff is very photographable. Well, you know? Where can people follow you on Instagram? Uh, creation cultivated creation cultivated. yeah i forget the exact how that comes out but yeah creation cultivated is on there yeah. god created it you well, cultivate exactly that's right yeah i love that yeah I, I do too i mean i love i love the opportunity that you know god made so many different amazing things and we have the chance to work with them i mean we were really given the ability to do that dominion over that and it's mm -hmm. fun you know it's enjoyable right um 
It's fun to steward things along. Absolutely. And do it in a responsible way. Yeah. Um, all right. So you are someone who, you are very entrepreneurial. You have a lot of different ideas. Mm-hmm. And you have acted on those. Are there any ideas you've had that you've said, wow, I want to try this, and it hadn't worked out, and you oh, stopped? Oh, tons. Okay. Yes, yes. <laughs> Different. I, I, sometimes people, it depends on what you connect with, I think. Like a certain plant or a certain insect we'll work with, it's like just the process of it we don't really connect with as well as something else, and mm-hmm. everybody's kind of different. Um you know, something I've learned through this whole process is whatever you enjoy, whatever you're into, someone else is. And ah. with with the ability to ship and the internet, you're, you're going to find those people. So I, I'd encourage anybody, especially younger people, to take your hobby, take what you enjoy doing, and find a way to make a living at it. Because it's more possible than you think it is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Sometimes you have to alter it just a little bit, you know, to find, you know, the right market. But... um but there's, I don't think there's ever been a better opportunity to, to reach customers oh, with yeah. the internet, with social media. And people who are into things, I'm sure that there's some um, roly-poly, exotic roly-poly blogger. Oh, yeah. Or terrarium blogger. There's podcasts. There's, it's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and so you can reach whoever, whoever's in a whatever, and by focusing on what you're into – you kind of know into that world. You know, you know how snakes are needed. That you know, or, uh, rodents are needed. The different sizes that are needed. So you can follow that path, and then, but you have to have the business sense to uh, to monetize that. And we'll right. come back from this break on North Georgia Business Radio X. We're going to talk about how kind of to transition from the hobby to the business side. said that if you do something you love you'll never work a day in your life and that can be true but you want to do something you love and be able to sleep indoors so we have to figure out how to monetize that thing we love i'm your host phil benelli for north georgia business radio x here with my good pal mr heath biggers uh heath is from meisterect which is north america's premier rodent distributor as well as Creation Cultivated. Heath, welcome back to the show. Glad to be here. Before the break, you were given really what I think is some great advice, which is, you know, to follow passion. And But with thinking about that, uh, you know, whatever you love, there's probably somebody else who does too. I was speaking to this group of college students, and I, I was talking to them. I cha- I used to always talk talk about do something you're passionate about. And then I changed it because of this one girl. Because I was like, all right, what is something you're passionate about? And this girl just said, I like to watch Harry Potter. And kind of like ended there and didn't really get. And I was like, okay, but what? how could you monetize that? Because there's mm-hmm. ways. There you know, is. you could get the trademark rights and make Harry Potter t-shirts yeah. or whatever. But not just like, I like to watch this movie so, but it's, okay, what do I like? How can I do something right. with that? And that's what would take you from, I need to raise some mice for my own snakes to, I'm, you know, the premier rodent distributor in uh, this continent. And I ship out 50,000 plus mice every week. Right. Pretty crazy. Yeah. So for you, what, what, let's talk through some keys of, you know, how do you, what do you think from having taken so many things you're passionate about how do you take that and then 
figure out how to make it profitable, monetize it, etc. Right. I think it always requires a little bit of a change. You know, mm. you can't just do exactly what you want to do mm. if you can't find the money in that. But a little bit of a twist on it will be better than doing something totally outside of what you're interested in to make money, basically. Right. And think about it, you never work a day in your life. You'll probably work twice as much, but it won't <laughs> feel like it. <laughs> yep. I love it. I love it. You know, if you enjoy it, though, it doesn't feel like work. So. And you get to work from home. I do. Yeah, everything's real close to my house. Which yeah. is great. It is. Do Are the kiddos, uh, do they get involved? They all love it. They yeah. do? My oldest is 10, down to a newborn. Now we have six kids. The top three, the older three, they're just getting really involved. Just in the last few weeks, they've really started working more with me. Wow. And, uh, and they beg to go to work. They So far, it's really like play to them. I hope it stays that way. <laughs> Sometimes my kids feel that way. I, I have messed that up in yeah. some regards for them. <laughs> but my five-year-old, he still thinks it's fun. Yeah. Um, I love that. And that is something that, I tell you what, if you're out there and you're working at a company and you're thinking about you know entrepreneurial pursuits and you have some big dream and big idea... One thing that's a great thing to push you over the edge of pursuing is that it is something you could work on with your kids. Yeah. And that's great. It is. I mean, um, I, think, I think we've gotten away from that. You know, historically, people have always brought their kids up to work with them on things. And, right. Uh, there's a lot of value in that. So, so much value. Yeah. All right. So back to, let's, you know, I don't know if there's a formula, but you were into, you needed mice for you. So you started doing it. Right. So you knew kind of what you needed from an end product because you were a consumer. You got mice, which allowed you to learn how to raise mice. There's right. probably things you screwed up along the way, Absolutely. figured out better. Mm-hmm. How'd you sell the first mouse? Because that's, that's the toughest thing is getting that first sale. Yeah. I think we started with just a website back then. There wasn't as much other platforms, you know. We just had a website, and we just started going from there, I believe. Yeah, Frozen. Um, yeah. You didn't have a TikTok handle back then. And that didn't exist. <laughs> We're probably better off. <laughs> better off, yep. How many people work in the business now? You talking about the industry or our business? Your or? business. This business. Oh, we, we have... Um, uh, I won't say seven or eight employees wow. right now. Yeah. Okay. Kind of varies based on demand and that sort of thing. And we we've changed over the years. It's funny you can do one thing, but your market can change dramatically. Like, I think ten years ago we were shipping most of our product to one of the largest zoos in the UAE, in the Middle East. There. Wow. Um, and uh, you know we're doing that for a while. We used to ship a lot to Europe. Now we're more direct to consumer online through like Chewy and Amazon, that sort of thing. So it's changed dramatically. Even though the the product hasn't changed, uh, the way we market and who we market to, and we've definitely learned not to put all your eggs in one basket. Mm-hmm. You know, having some diversity in your market, whatever it is, is is a lot because you never know. The things you are concerned is going to happen usually don't happen, but out of nowhere <laughs> something can shift. You know, <laughs> and, and you got to be able to shift with it. You know, so having having very Various, for example, we sell to birds of prey people as well, like falconers, and that's totally separate from the reptile market. Right. Uh, hawks, eagles, they'll eat a couple a day, not one a week. Whew. So some of that can really, really add Good up. Good customers. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. All right. Find some you're passionate about. Start doing it. Yeah. Start selling it, and as you go along. Be adjusting. Like he said, you might need to take the thing you just really love and maybe make it a little different because maybe there's other people who are into what you're into, but the majority of them are into it a slightly different way. So right. modify it so you could sell it more. Yep. And certainly, 
I mean, you're selling, <laughs> you're selling a massive amount of rodents. And it might be that you're in something where you can sell 50000 a week. It might be something where you can only sell 10 a week, but it's yeah. much more niche. There's a lot to be said for staying smaller. Um, we grew pretty fast, and we had a lot of growing pains doing that. Um, mm -hmm. it's, it's good and bad, you know. Um, being larger entails a lot more expenses. So you're, the, the amount of money you got to bring in every week just really shoots up. Right. So, I mean, sometimes a little envious of the smaller ones, you know. <laughs> it's got a little... A little bit more used to it. And also know what think know what you're good at. Um, know what you're good at. I found with John, who I work with on my strict. He um he's more he's much better at sales than I am. I'm not a salesperson. I, on my own, I've produced a lot of things that I just never even sold. You mm -hmm. know, <laughs> like we raise we raise roach uh, roach feeder roaches as well. Sounds even worse than mice, I guess. <laughs> and who's who's eating the roaches? Bearded dragons, lizards, Bearded things dragons, like that. Lizards. Years ago, I raised tons of those and never even got around to selling them on the side there. And it was like, what are we doing here? You know, so I'm bad about overproducing not selling you know and so some people are good at the production side or the making of something some people are better at the marketing and you know so i, th I think know what you're good at and if you can't partner with someone that can do the things you can't do as well you know you get a, you get a good situation get there. the right partners mm -hmm. i think you were a little ahead of your time because now some people are wanting to eat uh burgers that are made out of i bugs. haven't got there that, yet you yeah. just grind those cockroaches yeah, I, raise, up. I raise a lot of millworms too i used to have a, a guy that works for me he'd eat them all the time i've never even tried eat one. them all the time i'm just not interested <laughs> and folks if that sounds gross to you of eating stuff <laughs> made of bugs Go to HopewellFarmsGA.com. That's right. Do some delightful grass-fed beef. Avoid eating chickens bugs. And avoid eating yeah. bugs. The chickens eat bugs, and then you yes. eat the chickens. That's a good way to I, do it. A lot it. of the millworm farmers are actually really going to the chicken market now. Okay. They, they sell them uh, dried. I've noticed that. That's that's a big marketing there market. There you go. And yep. see, that that's a niche market because that's yeah. for these people who are like wanting to like spend tons of money for their pet chickens. Mm -hmm. To feed them high end stuff oh, yeah. that they perceive as high end. Chickens have become the new like high end pet. It's the yeah. cute thing to do. It's yeah. the hip thing. But uh, I love that. So, as you grew, adjust like go forward. You first of all, first of all, go forward. You have to go forward. Yeah. Nothing matters. What Heath did not do, Heath did not sit there and overanalyze which market this. Oh, uh, that's the truth. He started moving. Yep. And when you're moving, you can adjust. Fumble through mistakes. Fumble through yeah. mistakes. You just don't stop. Right. But you have to adjust. Mm -hmm. Right? So don't just run into a wall. But don't never get started. Right. There's almost always an answer to something. If you think, well, there's just no way around this, you're just not seeing it yet. That's right. Yeah. And don't, uh, we're bouncing around, which is okay. Yeah. I sometimes, because I want to move forward so much, I just get the first solution I find and go with it. Mm -hmm. But sometimes it's good to sit there with a journal and draw it out because you might be able to, for example, we were, we were, processing a bunch of turkeys for thanksgiving i needed a 250 outlet for my plucking machine mm -hmm. i didn't have a long enough extension cord the one i ordered from amazon didn't come from on time so i was like do i try to rush out and buy one i couldn't find one do i borrow one do i move where the pluckers there's like a million things some cost money some cost time uh, but anyway we're going to talk more about pivoting and using partners when we get back from this break with heat bigger on north georgia Business Radio X for all the mice, snakes, and terrariums out there. <laughs>
cooler than being cool? Ice cold. Welcome back to North Georgia Business Radio X. I'm here with Keith Biggers of Meisterec, North America's premier rodent distribution company, and Creation Cultivated. I am, of course, I'm your host, Phil Benelli, and I just found out that Heath is a fellow uh, cold shower, cold plunge guy. It's been two weeks, Heath. Love it. Yep. Yep. And doesn't it make you feel good? Absolutely. And if you could see him, folks, he looks a lot like Joe Rogan, <laughs> who's into the cold showers, oh, too. Oh, my goodness. Uh, I love the cold showers. Yep. Uh, we just recently did a podcast episode here about um, living like a human, which uh, left to go back and listen. It was a fun one. But we, we talked about cold water exposure. I'm a big, big fan of it, big believer. And so are some of the mice because they get a you know <laughs> cold bath that never ends. They get frozen. <laughs> That's true. How uh, on that note, we're just gonna dive right into that. Uh, how do you freeze the mice? Uh, they're euthanized by CO two. Okay, it's accepted way to do that quickly. You know, okay. and then we use a lot of dry ice. Dry ice. Yeah, so we freeze them quickly on dry ice because they're a whole animal. They need to freeze as quickly as possible so they don't rot. You know, so, so uh, got to use dry ice for that. Then we ship on that as well. CO2 seems great because it's non-toxic and exactly. just quick, painless. Mm-hmm. That's great. Yeah. The most humane and uh, best North American rodent That's distributor. Right. Before the break and before I took us rambling down who knows what sorts of paths, one thing we were talking about is we were mentioning kind of like a formula of taking your passion, what you do with it, monetize it. And then as you're growing, which of course you could grow faster or slower – I do think, as we were talking about solving problems, I think growing fast is good it, because it it does inherently ramp up the problems that come to you, mm-hmm. and it forces you to figure out the solution. It does. If you grow too big too fast, your problems can be more expensive. Right. That's it, one problem. It takes more cash. <laughs> like you, you got to yeah. be prepared. Yeah. If you if you don't have capital, if capital's a big problem mm-hmm. for you, don't grow fast. Right. Because that's what'll get you. Exactly. But um, if you can, if you if you have some capitalization, that's why you see these startup companies that are losing money for five years, but they just got all this money pumped in. Of course, you have to have an end game that makes sense. Yeah. But all right, I think the thing for our audience, which would be very useful to talk about, is so you brought in a partner, mm-hmm. and we were talking about the partner had a complementary skill set. Yeah, that's a big deal gotta have that so if you look at you all's roles kind of what what do you feel what does he feel yeah like i say i'm, I'm more about pro- producing i just right. love I'm, I'm like a farmer i see everything i do is like a weird kind of farming it's still farming but it's sure. strange you know so i just love working with exotic interesting you know plants animals bugs you know all that and you seem like production. a process guy yeah that's right that's a good point too. I'm more of a process person. I like the daily routine, keeping everything steady. Uh, John's more um, kind of project. You know, let's tackle this problem, let's fix it, let's find this market. You know what I'm saying? That sort of thing. Yeah. And um, so yeah, everybody's so different. But I think understanding what you really like is is what you're good at. Mm-hmm. You know, it's hard to be good at something you don't like. Oh yeah. Yeah. Well, and it it's, it goes both ways. Because you, if you're good at something, it's gonna be enjoyable. Right. I mean. I'm pretty crummy at hitting a baseball with a bat. So I don't really like to go play softball because I stink at it. And at this point in my life, I'm not just going to go and do all sorts of different things to see what sticks. I know it sticks and I like, I like doing it and it takes an appreciation. It sounds like you and John really appreciate. He's not sitting around saying, boy, I could do the production better than him. And you know, what's he doing? And you're not sitting around saying, boy, I wish 
I want to go grow the markets. You you appreciate right. what each other, right? Exactly. You know your contributions. Mm -hmm. That's key. So is he here local too, or is he yeah. able to do? That? Okay. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. is, then we also work with uh, Justin Kabelka locally. Right. Has, let's. We haven't yeah. even talked about snakes. Let's let's slither on into that yeah, part of yeah. the conversation. Yeah, it's um. I really enjoy, it's taken many more years to get that working. You know, it's a very slow go process. The mice are kind of a weekly in and out, you know, kind of thing. It grows fast. Uh, the snakes have been slow. It's years to build up a collection of, and again, uh, for people who aren't familiar with it, the, uh, the reptile market has been very based. So everyone, you know, if you ever seen a ball python at a uh, pet store, you kind of know what that is. Most people know someone that's had one, that sort of thing, or bearded dragon, these sort of uh, reptiles, but there's such diversity. People will find one with a certain color, a certain pattern, and they call that a morph morphologically different you know all right and um and so these things of course it, people love rarity right so it comes out it's new so in this whole market whether it's a frog or a lizard or a snake someone finds a new morph they post a picture of it and say hey look what i have you know the next thing to do is to breed it and see if it's even genetic right and then once you prove it is genetic and what kind of gene it is what does now that it's mean value. so that the morph that there is a unique gene mm -hmm. which has contributed to that characteristic you're seeing yes how could you even, well, you you gotta, even test that? First, you have to test it by breeding it to something. So you have one, right? So you breed it to something that doesn't have it. Then to see if the babies carry that gene. Now, if the babies don't carry it, it could be recessive. Right. It may take another generation. So it can take years to prove out a gene. Um, especially the ball python market for the past 20, 30 years, this has been happening all, all over the world. Uh, different people have been doing this. And then, and then now we're stacking genes. So, you know, you're putting this color with this pattern and this can take years and years. So, so it has a value associated with it. So when something new comes out, proven genetic, it can be very high value. And then of course, as those you produce more, the value comes down, you know? So, so it's a collectible kind of, and it's just, it's just an incredible market. You're trying to develop, you're trying to breed snakes to find mutations, genetic mutations, to right. then breed. And then that would be like the patented creation cultivated genetic material. Yeah, well, that, that it's funny. It applies to bugs, plants, anything. You know, talking more about snakes, this is kind of what we've been dealing with. But that's, that's kind of the, the, I even have emus. I don't know if we mentioned that. So talking yeah. about chickens, big chickens. These are, everybody thinks they're ostriches, but they're the third largest bird and and even they i have a white uh genetic on that one wow so everybody's heard of emu oil you know that's a huge people raising tons of them for that We're, i'm not doing that i have 16 animals the reason i got back into them is because someone found a white gene so this is a solid white bird blue eyes it's really unusual so that's looking. rare yeah and it's a new gene and so that that's what got me interested in these birds you know it wasn't it wasn't the emu oil that sort of thing you know it's just the, hey, this is a cool new pattern they have. And well, it's interesting because they have a blonde version. So that if I mean, the normal emu is a, like a, a black and brown animal. All right. The, then there's the white. Then there's the in-between version. Bring them together. It's called a blonde. It's sort of half white color. So they're really beautiful animals. I keep those at home right next to the house. And my kids just look. They think it's normal to have, you know, 16 huge birds in the yard. <laughs> Do you have the only white emu that's known of them? It may be the only ones in Georgia. I don't, we got them out of Texas. Okay. Um, I think it happened back in the 90s or something, but, but the white gene was isolated. But um, they just started producing again this year. We got our first egg a few days ago, and they lay during the winter. Interesting. So my kids have been looking for an egg for a week or so now. And they lay an egg that looks like an avocado, if you can picture it. That's what it looks like. It's crazy. Wow. It's a big green egg. <laughs> wow. 
So. Are, do you sell any of the emus? We last year's our first year producing those, and we sold all the babies. I think we had about twenty or so. Wow! But um, if they all start laying this year, we could have close to a hundred. So, and they grow fast. So it's kind of kind of difficult because you got to sell them fast. <laughs> Most there's different parts of the market segments. There's the the emu oil right part, and then are these folks just collectors primarily? Exactly. Yeah. Right. I think a lot of the market for these is people who have kind of. Um, started the chicken, got some backyard chickens. They're like, oh, we could actually get a pair of emus, you know, <laughs> which is crazy. You they know, they graduate. They had a bigger yeah. yard than they thought. <laughs> wow, what kind of fence do you need to keep an emu in? Mine is about, I want to say five feet. You really want more like six or seven. Every now and then we get one jump out, but they don't go anywhere because the other birds are still there. Yeah. So we used to try to run them back in. They don't drive very well. They do better coming to food, like follow me back in, sure. <laughs> you know, that's how I work too. This happens when they're yeah. breeding that they chase each other breeding and they will just chase one out and they just flop over the fence. So my <laughs> fence should be a little higher, but it's working. <laughs> wow. Daddy, there's an emu out again. <laughs> that's exactly it. Yeah. <laughs> Running down they saw, they saw an emu at the Kroger. Oh, this is good stuff. Um, if you're out there listening and either you have an idea that you want to do something with, uh, whether this would be a first entrepreneurial venture for you, or if you just, if you're, once you have an established business, look, all these things he is doing, they build off each other and, and they could cross market customers, use the resources and the cash flow from your existing. So whether it be new, net new, or in addition, how can you take something that you're passionate about and grow it. Uh, we're going to dive more into that on our last segment of North Georgia Business Radio X. Plan, create, begin, adjust. It's a formula that seems to work. Welcome back to North Georgia Business Radio X. I am your host, Phil Benelli, here with Heath Biggers of MeisterEct, North America's premier rodent distribution company, as well as Creation Cultivated. Hey, where can you get a frozen mouse, a live rat, a white emu, uh, a terrarium? I mean, everything. It's a one-stop shop Yeah, right there. Heath, thanks for being on the show, my friend. Absolutely. As we were talking about and trying to piece through, you know, I love... I love learning from guests like yourself, and I'm I'm jotting down a lot of notes, and I want the you know to for the audience to be able to learn um, some great things. And as we we're talking about growing fast, which growing fast and, and upping the volume, and you're a you're a volume and production guy, right? Sometimes can direct you to uh, we talked about customer concentration, as well as wholesale, mm-hmm. and. Uh, in the break, we were talking about how on some things you have dropped some wholesale accounts, decreased your production, and made more. Right. So how do you go and look at, you know, do you have set time where you go and say, hey, I need to look back the last quarter and analyze our margins and what we need to do? Or sure. how's that happen? Yeah, it's real easy to start, you know, feel like you're doing better. So you're producing more and more and more, but you're reaching out, selling in a more wholesale fashion or whatever it is you're working with. And you look all of a sudden, you're saying, well, we're just spinning our wheels at this point. You know, uh, there's the 80-20 idea. You right. Know? Um, you know, so you can look at, well, this 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 part's not even working. So, you know, you like to look at what is working, especially with the diversity we have. You know, it's, it's easy to have a few things that just are not functioning properly, mm-hmm. you know. And, but you can get so busy, you forget to look at that. 
and you can right. feel like you're making progress because you're doing so much, you know. But uh, yeah, that can be one downfall. I think of that. I would highly recommend that you think long and hard about your financial um, tracking. If, for example, if Heath was just like all the money and all the expenses go into one pot, he would not have the tools. He might be making a profit and not know that this big wholesale account is losing him money. Or he might not know... Wow, I'm slaying it on the emus, but these snakes are losing me money. And you have to track each thing you're doing, and to whatever degree you can, each account, so that you can make the right decisions on what to do. But if you don't have the data, you can't do it. Right. And as you mentioned, look, when you're blowing and going and growing, you can't always stop to do that. It'd be nice right. if you could, but you have to take time. Like we're going into a, a slower, you know, the winter is slower season at the farm. Mm-hmm. Right now, I got to get through. We're, you know, rock and rolling through turkeys, yeah, Christmas hams. But then it's like, okay, everything's a little slow now. Let's look back. And I've tracked everything per my product types. Right. And maybe next year I need to do five times the chickens. That's where diversification helps too, though, because you can have seasonal things can be opposite of each other. Right. Yeah. I have found, and we've talked about this on the show, that you you can't be afraid of doing something new right. because a lot of times the new thing you were afraid to do that was not your core business becomes the thing that really saves your business. Oh, yeah. And we found, too, that when you have a problem, look for – because business inherently kind of wants to stick with what's working and not change anything. Mm. But sometimes you have an issue come up that causes you, you know, stuff you're in 2020, whatever mm-hmm. that is, you know, um, can cause you to have to do something different. And if you're going to be pushed to do something different anyway, then try to find the light at the end of the tunnel there, like what – how could you shift in a good way? Because you're, right. you're being forced for a shift. Right. And um, when you probably, have to pivot. Yes. Think about it. Yeah. Just like with don't, don't, you, you, you got to get a solution to move when you have a problem. But take a minute. Make sure you get the right one. Yeah. Don't take too long because you got to move an act. I found so many times where you come up better. You, you have a crisis and you think, oh, this is this is a major problem. And then you, then you see that crisis actually pushed you in the right direction. Oh, I love it. And that's that's a big deal. That happened to us a lot in 2020 because we went more online, more direct to consumer. Um, that was kind of the main, you know, everyone was at home ordering off Amazon. That's when we started selling on Amazon. And um, I don't know that we would have really without those kind of pressures. When, I, when COVID happened, I mean, that's one of the first things I thought. I said, you know what we're missing around here? Some frozen rats. Exactly. And I said, I, can, I gotta get me some. <laughs> Honey, fire up the Amazon machine. <laughs> but I bet you a lot of people got more pets and things like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, it really, there was, and still I think there's more, a lot of stuff we saw, I've talked about the terrariums, this sort of thing, they're all like kind of desktop little projects and things, so so the more people uh, working from home, um, the, uh, you know, they have actually have more time for more kind of side hobbies, right? Which is what we're supplying. Um, when people were commuting to work, you know, two hours every day, they didn't really have time to do other things. Mm. So, uh, well, I love when a problem comes. I think that this is the way to look at it. First off, expect there to be problems. Like you said, so many times, the all the things you expect to happen don't happen, but right. then you just get blindsided. Yes. But overall, no. Just know when you get up every day, there are going to be problems. Right. And that is not pessimistic. It's just real. There will be problems. It's a fallen world, man. Mm-hmm. There are problems every day. So yep. expect it to whatever 
extent you can mitigate it because probably a lot of things you worried about didn't happen because you put some in place yeah, to keep it from life, happening. Yeah. <laughs> but when something totally blindsides you, just say, don't get all upset because most of our upsetness is because we're surprised. Say, well, of course, this is the way life works. Right. And then embrace it. Don't run from it. Don't hide from it. Say, okay, here's my problem. And expect to win. Expect there to be problems. Embrace the challenge and expect to win. When you have a problem, if you just said, oh my gosh, I guess that's the end of us, it would be. Right. But if you say, well, here's where I want this to go. Yeah. Here's the end result. I'm going to win this game. Yeah. Your brain comes up with ideas. Yeah. Uh, f- when failure is not an option, right. I mean, it, there's something to that to say, you know, we just, we this has to work. Has to yeah. work. <laughs> ha- and you're, isn't it yeah. amazing? You don't know what the heck the solution is going to be. Mm-hmm. But you find them. Yeah. And if you're out there listening, the fact that you're listening, there's one thing I know about you. You're alive. So there's no (laughs) problem you've had that has totally overcome you so far. So just expect to win and go for it. And you you might try two things that don't work. Keep going. Yeah. Ask your friends. Ask. Seek counsel. Mm -hmm. Right? That's also where it's good to have partners with diverse skill sets. Absolutely. Yeah. Um. But just go for it. Don't give up. Don't give up. So if we're going to look at the uh, Mice Direct formula, something you're passionate about, Mm -hmm. dive into that and be open to modifying it some to meet market demand. Right. That's okay. It doesn't have to be 100% exactly a thing you like, but if it's in the same realm, you're going to like it. Right. And then you're going to enjoy the challenge of taking that and marketing it. Yep. If you, um, you know, if you do something you enjoy, then you know your customers. Right. Because you kind of are your customer. You right. Know, I think whatever you're into, that's a big advantage. That's right. If I only ate, um, what are those fake burgers called? Incredible Impossible. burgers? Impossible. Impossible. If I only ate Impossible <laughs> burgers, it uh, should not be having to grasp exactly. the farm. You know, but I like juicy red meat. Absolutely. And pastured bacon <laughs> combined. Yeah. I love those things combined. Um, then as you're, so go forward and seek, I, I would advise seek to monetize it as quickly as possible because there is such a big difference. We do corporate team building events at the farm. I have done a lot of free team buildings for nonprofits and ministries and whatnot, but it's different. Once you do your first paid one, it's just different. Mm-hmm. And so seek to get paid as soon as possible yeah. because then things get real and you, you see things you didn't see before. Right. Be open to adjusting and, and diversifying. But as you're doing that, keep track of the numbers so you know what works and what didn't. Right. Keith is very, or Heath is a very successful guy. Not every idea he's had has been no. financially successful. So he's adjusted. Mm-hmm. But you never know if you don't try. And you never track, or you never adjust if you don't track. Right. So you got to track them. And look, if white emus just don't pay, <laughs> he's not going to have white. We're going to have a big white emu cook off <laughs> a couple years from now. Yeah. All right. Before we wrap up, what are three things we're going to freestyle for? Which is your son that oh really goodness. loves it the Trace. most? Trace. Trace loves the wrap up. Okay. What's it called? All right. What are we going to wrap up for Trace with? I don't know. I, he's heard it more than I have. All right. Here we go. <laughs> 
Hey now, Trace, thank you for your call. I know that this weekend you will be playing basketball. On the court, upward, that's right. When you see the lights, you will shoot them out all night. Racing snakes, raising up the mice, plus rats, you know, shooting it out like rat-a-tat-tat. With the twist, start in your passion. Then you can adjust in the financial fashion. Heath Biggers, Mice Direct. Thank you, a great guest. What the heck creation cultivated. That's so great. Georgia Business Radio X. Check it. It ain't too late. Heath, thank you so much. Thank, thank you for you. being here. Absolutely. Thanks, Trace. You've been listening to North Georgia Business Radio X with Phil Vanelli. What local business do you know that should be highlighted on our program? Let us know. Just search North Georgia Business Radio X. X on Facebook or contact Bo at businessradiox.com. See you next time and remember to support our local businesses.